Um, last week, <coughs> uh, we are talking now about the origin of the different nations of the world, Jews and non-Jews. And how did that originate? So I had mentioned, you know, uh, last week, whatever, a couple of weeks ago, <coughs> that you have Adam Harishan, the first man, and his job really, he, he enters the world at a certain level of holiness, spirituality, and his job really is to go higher, obviously. Uh, so this is called Adam Harishan before the sin, and his job ultimately is to go higher and to achieve a much greater uh, amount of spirituality. And obviously the main test was the, the concept of the tree of knowing good and evil. And as a result, he would have brought a tremendous, what's called tikkun, rectification to the world, brought back the presence of God into the world. <coughs> and that would have began <coughs> the future world, Oilam Habo. Now I also mentioned something very important, is that even at that was point in time before the sin he was supposed to have kids and he would have brought them into being and they would have enjoyed experienced the same thing that he was experiencing <coughs> as a result of the fact that they are his offspring or descendants I had mentioned that uh, last week <coughs> however we know that he sinned and because he sinned that created an entirely different situation. And we know what the sin was, of course, but as I said, he increased enormously the concept of, uh, of uh, descent or degradation. And what that really is, is the concept of physicality. He became physical, no more spiritual. And that, of course, meant that the physical itself, as I mentioned, is a barrier, really, to spirituality. So he would have to overcome that, so to speak. Not only that, but the presence of God was now concealed because it was a physical universe, you see. And besides that, I had mentioned that there was the entrance of the Zoyama. And what the Zoyama is, of course, is, uh, as I mentioned, it is the uh, projection or the, the power or the force of the Sutton. Now, the Sutton has a Zoyama into the physical universe. And therefore, Adam went from an, a higher universe, which is called Oilam Yetzirah, which is much more spiritual. And since he became physical, Adam Rishon became subject to the influence and control, in many ways, of the Satan, since the Satan Zoyama pervades the physical universe. And I spoke about that, I think, last time. And therefore, what that meant is that Adam Arishim himself was now in the situation of being degraded from his stature of Adam before the sin. Forget about Oilam Habo, the future world. He now became Adam the man, the man in a degraded state. <coughs> and what that would also mean is that he would have descendants, offspring, that also are in a degraded state. So therefore, the question is, what happens now? So what the Rebbeinshem wanted is that even Adam at that time, where he was physical and was subject to the Zoyama of the Satan uh, and so on, and with a tremendous concealment of the presence of God, could actually still go back to the situation of, of Adam <coughs> before the sin. 
He could do that. But it would require a tremendous amount of effort, you see. Uh, and uh, as a result of that, once he re reached the level of Odomarish before the sin, then he would merely have to go from that situation uh, to a much greater situation, and he would therefore get Oilam Habba. <coughs> now, his descendants would also be elevated. And this was called uh, the, the now Adam Rishon himself is what's called a root neshama as I had mentioned previously where he encompassed the totality of creation uh, this is Adam Rishon and his descendants therefore would be enjoying the same uh, experiences and elevated state as Adam Rishon <coughs> you see um, what is interesting is that uh, what then was the basic test of Odomorishim uh, after the fall? And what we see from uh, the Chumash is the Boshim says to him, that in the sweat of your brow you will eat bread. Now the question of course is, is that a punishment of some sort where he now has to be, uh, uh, you know, expend a tremendous amount of labor and as a result of that, then he would add parnosa, bread and so on. But the truth is, that's not really what it is. What the Rabbanishim was saying to him is the following. Until now, you knew that I was the one who created everything. Obviously, because you were created on the sixth day. And before you arrived, everything was here. So you knew that. You see, <clears throat> what you didn't know is that I'm the only thing that exists, really, and everything is basically an emanation of mine. That's what your test was. And you thought that the tree created everything, or whatever, and that I ate from the tree and became, I got my divine powers. Now, however, your test is much more difficult. Why? Because until now, you understand the illusion of causality, which means what? Or rather, you understood that I am Rabbanisham is saying, I'm the cause of everything, you see. But now what I'm going to do is your test has become harder. What does that mean? That means the only way you can eat bread, which means panosso, or really get anything done, is if you do it. You need to be the cause. But that's really an illusion, because I am the only cause, God says. Therefore, from now on, things will only respond to your input your causation, you see, giving you the false impression that you are actually a cause. And you're gonna have to figure out that that's not even true, you see. So that becomes a much more difficult test, and it's lower, <coughs> because now man thinks that he's the cause of everything. <coughs> the cause of his panossa, his livelihood, the cause of any idea that he has, how to make a livelihood, or anything. Because, it will, because things will only happen in response to his input, to his cause. So now you have to realize that you cause nothing, you see. But you have to realize that when in effect, everything does happen when you have input. So it's much more difficult now to break through that illusion, you see. So, in the sweat of your brow you will eat bread, now becomes a test situation for Adam. It's not a punishment. It is a descent 
in what his test was, you see, that in order to, that he has to break through the deception that he is a cause. Because he notices, like I said, that everything happens only if he has input, if he causes it. But really, it's, God says, it's me that causes it. So you now have to break through that deception or that illusion. That's what Bezer Sapechum in the sweat of your brow really is. It is the statement of what the new test is. And we still have that, obviously. You know, we think that we cause everything. Because, you know, if you, don't have, if you have the idea, it works. You know, how many people go into a business because they think that it was they that had the idea for this business? Or because they think that they had this great, great idea of a specific business uh, investment or whatever, but it's not. It's really God putting the idea into your mind. But you have to see that it's really all God, and it's not you at all. So this is the new situation, test situation, that other Mauritian finds himself in, you see. So that radically changed after the fall of Adam. And of course, it's true of all his descendants. So everybody's now degraded. The test situation is much more difficult, you see. It's a much greater deception. And he's encountered, he's surrounded by this Yetzirah that's trying to get him to think he's somebody, that's trying to get him to say, well, do what you want to do, your will. It's much more difficult because of all this, you see. And that's basically what we find ourselves in. Now, what the Russian wanted, okay, he wanted Adam and mankind, his descendants, you see, to break through the deception and restore themselves the way it was before Adam, before the Chet. And they could have done that. And I had mentioned, I think last time, that their job, first of all, they had the seven mitzvahs of Noyach, which I had gone into last time, and so on. And besides that, uh, uh, had they done that, and th had they really, uh, what do you call it, uh, committed the acts in light of God's will, what the Rebbe wanted, then they were able to then restore who they were before the sin. That's really, and not only that, but <coughs> Adam <coughs> and really <coughs> all mankind could do that. <coughs> now, all these people that lived in the first 2,000 years are called roots because they were either Adam or they were primary descendants, which means they were very close to Adam in terms of being an offspring. So what the Mershom wanted is that these Neshamas, which are really very high up in the ladder, you see, before they, were, they would give birth to descendants and offsprings, what he wanted is that they should do the Tikkun. And all of them could do the Tikkun. They would keep the seven mitzvahs of Noyach to ensure the uh, survivability of civilization. And they would lead God-fearing lives, you see. And as a result, they could have been brought a Tikkun to creation, and therefore they would have restored the original level of Odomeritian before the sin. But what's interesting, you see, is that he only gave them 2,000 years. He gave them 2,000 years for these particular level of neshamas, which are called the roots, <coughs> uh, and the primary branches, to do this tikkun. But what happened? 
Instead of doing that, they sin terribly, you see, to such an extent where the Rabbanshim had to destroy the world because the world was so corrupted and so evil that anybody being born into that world has no chance, you see. And therefore, the Rabbanshim gave them 2,000 years to do that tikkun. But like I said, what happened was, is that they destroyed the, the Bria actually, you know. Because remember, they had the power of tikkun, which means to bring God closer. What they did is that they sinned so grievously that they drove God's presence, the Shekhinah, out of the Bria. Or not out of the Bria, but certainly out of much higher or more distance away as a result of what was happening, you see. So therefore, uh, those, in many ways, those 2,000 years that these root neshamas could have done the tikkun, could have done the rectification, in many ways was a disaster. That's really what we see, you see. Uh, but remember one thing, there were no Jews at that time. There's no nations, it's really just mankind. That's what the Torah says, you know, as we find the end of Noach by the generation of the dispersion, which I will talk about, that it was one language, it was one nation and one language. There's no concept of 70. There was no concept of Jew. Everybody was Jewish, if you want to use that exp expression. But we know, of course, that they were not Jewish, but everybody was a Yisrael. And I want to explain the difference between a Jew and a Yisrael. A Yisrael is anybody that can do the tikkun. That means that anybody who has that kind of a soul that's connected to all the upper worlds, that any of his actions, whether it be speaking, uh, speaking, thinking, or, or uh, doing, that they can bring the presence in and out of creation. In other words, it is an individual that actually has control over the presence of God in the universe. In other words, God subjugates his presence or absence to the actions of this individual. That individual is Israel, you see. He's not Jewish, he's mankind. But the entire 2,000 years of mankind is Israel. Because, the, like I say, there's a difference between the concept of Israel and the concept of Yehudi. Yehudi only came later. The concept of Judaism, or Jewish person doing the Tikkun, only starts from the concept of Avraham Avino. But before that, everybody is Yisrael, you see. Because they all could do the tikkun. And what the Martian wanted is that these neshamas, which were very high, you should know, that they should be able to do the tikkun, restore Adam and mankind before the Chet, and then they could proceed higher and higher to gain entry into, of course, Olam Habo, which is the future world and so on. So that's what we were standing so far, and that's what he did. He gave them that ability. But remember, that ability only goes for 2,000 years. <coughs> so we see, therefore, that there is no such thing as Jew or Hebrew, which is a more accurate term, and so on, you see? It's just mankind, which makes sense, because that's what's fair. When God created man, he didn't create a Jew, right? He created a man, right? So the question, of course, is, what man? And the answer is, that's Yisrael. Adam Rishon is Yisrael, but not a Yehudi. A very important distinction. Because he can do tikkun. 
he can influence the presence or absence of the divine presence, the Shekhinah. And that's really so far where everything stood. Now, also at that point in time, since man's neshama was so great, he didn't require a vehicle, such an uh, a, a extensive vehicle, to do the tikkun. Now the vehicle to do the tikkun, of course, is to listen to the will of God. That is the vehicle, to do Ratzon which means to do the will of God. What is the will of God? The will of God is really the Torah. That's his instructions. So because man's neshama was so great, the instruction book, if you want to look at it that way, was not extensive. It was only seven mitzvahs. And to live a God-fearing life. That was the whole instruction book. But those seven mitzvahs are called the Torah. That's what it was in those days. In fact, in the days of Adam, even though he really also had the seven mitzvahs, but for Adam, the commandment not from the eat, to eat from tree, that is the totality of Torah. That was the instructions, right, that Adam got. <coughs> Why? Because you don't need as much as a vehicle or a device to do the tikkun, Since man himself was on a very great elevated state, you see. So therefore, that was basically only one mitzvah. After the fall of Adam, it became seven mitzvahs. You notice that the tool is getting stronger and larger and more extensive, you see. But that's all that was required. Because ask yourself, you know, the Jews first got the Torah 2,448 years after the creation. That's a long time. So if the, if the Torah is meant to be observed by the Jewish people, <coughs> then why would get, they get the Torah 2,448 years after creation? If that's the whole point of the creation itself, where's the vehicle? Where's the device to do the tikkun? And the answer is because you didn't need 613 commandments. All you needed was either one or seven. And that was sufficient, you see. But you'll notice as, as mankind fails more and more, then the vehicle, the device to do the tikkun gets greater and greater. So you go from one to seven, from 7 to 613, from 613 to all the rabbinical enactments, because they have to expand the vehicle. And then from the rabbinical enactments, right, decrees and enactments, which is the Midrash Bonans, right, then you have what's called Minog, you see, which is custom, right, of, of different locales and places. So when you take a look at the Shulchan Arach, right, you know, these four huge, massive volumes, you know, and all the commentaries, you see, well, I don't understand something, you know. Odomerishan didn't have any of this, right? So, how did he do the tikkun, right? You know, I mean, maybe if Odomerishan had taken a look today at our Shulchanan, he would have fainted. So I can't believe this, you know. You know, because when you think about it, all he had was one mitzvah, basically, to do the tikkun. Why does the... You see? Why does the level of the neshama Holiness of the magnitude of the holiness of the Shema determine the amount of mitzvahs. Why is that? Mm -hmm. why, why is one mitzvah good enough mm -hmm. just because the person's on a higher level? Is because, because he's already attuned to whatever the, whatever the previous mitzvahs would have done for him is already, he's already there? Yes. Mm -hmm. 
But really, it's always also because <clears throat> a person that's in a higher madrega, right, is already close to God. The point of the Torah is what? What is it supposed to do? It is supposed to bring you and God together. That's the whole point of it, right? In fact, Oilam Haba is the end result of that, right? It's where you and God are in a state of dvekus, where you are attached to the divine presence. And the reward of that is incomprehensible, what that means. That's really what the whole point is, to bring you and God together in an eternal attachment forever, you see. That's really what it is. So if you already are on a high spiritual level, it means that you already are attached to God in a much greater way. So if you're already attached, how much do I need to get me connected totally? I don't need as much, you see, and so on. It's like Moshe Rabbeinu. How much mitzvahs do Moshe Rabbeinu need? He's already attached to God, he, you know? What? He still had the tariyak because he... Because it wasn't him anymore, it was already uh, the uh, all Jews needed to Taryag. So since he's part of that, he has to go through what Besides they go he through. Was, still wasn't on whatever that means. He wasn't on that enough to not need the Taryag. Yeah, and, and so on. Yeah. So that's what it means. The higher you are, the greater your level of Kiddusha, holiness and sanctity, the less mitzvahs you need. Now, I don't want this to be interpreted where a guy's going to say, wow, you know, I'm on a, such a high level of spirituality, I can just drop all the mitzvahs, right? Based on what I'm saying, you know? No, no, you can't do that. Because today, we are all on an exceedingly low level, including the gedolim. And I don't mean low level that they're on a low level, relatively speaking. Because really, they're part of the fabric of f what's called fallen man. You know, we're all in a degraded state. We all have Zoyama in us. We all have Yed Saharas, you know, and so on. We all have to contend with us in the same arena as everybody else. Except if you're a godl, then you've done a better job, you see. But anyway, that's the, that end, answers your question and so on. So <clears throat> what we see, therefore, is we are now witnessing the one who does the Tikkun of the Bria is going to change. Not only that, but the level of Torah, the device to bring the Tikkun, to get closer to God, is also going to change. Because each one is on the same level as the other. You see. In any case. One of the mitzvahs of the Torah is to <coughs> listen to the tzaddik of the generation and do what he says. Yeah. And it comes in the oral law, added many more things. Okay. On top of the 613. Yes. Has anybody ever counted now how many things we got to go by? You mean the whole Shulchan Aruch? Yeah. I mean, they added so much. I mean... I think there's 1,000... they added like the Hanukkah candles. There's 1,000... Yeah, if you look, well, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, there are four uh, volumes of the Shulchan Aruch, right? There's uh, Rechaim, Yordea, Chushmishpat, and Evan Hoeza, right? There are four volumes of the Chod, you know. If I remember correctly, there's 1,705 um, uh, Seifim, or chapters, right? Of all four Chelkei Shulchanach, okay? Now, each chapter has itself numerous amount of halachas, right? You have the Merchav and then you have all the Mephoshim, and so on, you know? There are thousands and thousands of halachas. 
Well, no, no, well, no, no. It's not a matter of interpretation. They're either deraisa, right. biblical, or they are rabbinic in terms of the Torah, in t not the Torah, in terms of the Gemara. They are the laws, the decrees, and enactments of the Sanhedrin and many of the Bezdins. No, 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 no. Those are enactments. I know what you might find. What do you mean? Yes. There's yeah. No, 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 but there are, there are hundreds. And there, are, and there are safeguards to the Torah. There are thousands of them, right? I mean, they're also Midrabon, right? They were made by uh, all the Bezdins and the Sanhedrin and so on, right? And then a great deal of the Shulchanor is also Minik, you know, what we do in terms of the community, you see? So there's biblical, rabbinical, and community uh, obligations, and all of that is Shulchanor. By the way, what's interesting is the gematria, the numerical value of Orachayim, Yeridea, Chosh Mishpat, Evan Ezer, is 1,705. Exact amount of Seifim in, uh, you know, Simonim, I should say. Simonim in, in uh, you know, which is, was that, is that coincidence? But it's interesting. Anyway, <coughs> uh, wait, 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 so, yeah, so the, uh, obviously there's a, a tremendous amount because mankind, I mean, just look outside. Mankind is an incredibly degraded state. And they, they, and, they, they, and they, look, when you do a sin, you increase, not you personally, but mankind increases the degradation. Why? Because it strengthens the power of the Satan, you see, which strengthens your Yetzirah, right? It's hard to break out and so on, you know? And uh, Yetzirah has his, it's not just that, but you descend, you get more and more distant from God, you see. <clears throat> so therefore, because we are in such a degraded state, we therefore have an enormous amount of Torah. It's almost like we gotta check ourselves in any given direction, you know, in so many different ways and activities. There's a mitzvah, whatever, be biblical, rabbinical, or, or uh, um, community. We have to try to be careful. You know, so therefore, look, somebody who's a tzaddik automatically stays away from an enormous amount of things, even without a mitzvah. Our problem is that, you know, we've almost lost the touch of what is spiritual. You know, do, are we really connected to true spirituality? You know, unfortunately today most people are not, you know, and, and therefore you need, the Torah in many ways becomes a guideline to you. You know, you need a book now to say, okay, what can I do and what I can't do? In the olden days, they had an intuitive feel of what to do, you see, but they didn't care, you know. In those 2,000 years where they were the root souls and they were very high neshamas and so on, you know, they would have an intuitive sense of what ruchnius, what spirituality is. Look, they decided not to do it because at the same time they had a Yetzirah that was as big as their spiritual sensitivity, you see. So they chose, they're not the first people that, a high neshama that chose to do evil, right? But in any case, so therefore, they had a much greater intuitive sense of what is spiritual and what is not. We lack that. Think about it. When was the last time you felt spiritual? Certainly, when was the last time that you did an act and you, were not, and you felt that it's not spiritual? It's an anti-spiritual act. 
you know, it's very hard to feel that today. You know what I'm saying? You know? When was the last time you felt when you did a mitzvah that you became more spiritual? When was the last time? Most mitzvahs today are done through rote, routine. You don't feel the ruchnis in the mitzvah, you see? And that's a product of us that is very degraded. We don't have that anymore. You know, it's like a guy walking around with a white suit. Any black dot is immediately noticed. You see? But we're walking around with black suits. So if we have a stain on them, we don't even see them. You see? So therefore, our level, our ability to intuit spirituality is severely uh, restricted, se severely compromised. And our ability even to experience the spirituality of a mitzvah is severely compromised. We don't realize how down we are, you know, how, how, how uh, inferior we have become to the previous generations. I mean, just take a look, you know, 2,000 years ago, you used to have Tanoim and Amaroim and so on, right? That incredible spiritual levels. And they were nothing compared to the Nevi'im, you know? And what was the Nevi'im compared to Moshe Rabbeinu and the Doha Midbar? We don't even know what the Doha Midbar was. You see, we can look at their sins, but think about it. For 40 years, how many sins did they do that the Torah records? Most of the time, they were incredible. In other words, they had neshamas which were much greater, and therefore their sensitivity to sin and their sensitivity to spirituality was much greater. They can intuit a lot of things. Look, Avram Avinu. He, did, he observed the 613 commandments, right? But it wasn't given yet. Because he had that type of neshama that can intuitively connect with a mitzvah. You see? He intuitively knew what a mitzvah was. And so on. That's why he was able to observe Tariyad mitzvahs. And we know Yaakov Aminu also, because he says, I'm loving Garti. I lived with Lovin. And Garti is the same oasis as Tariyad. So we know that uh, Yaakov Avinu was saying, right, to Esav, was about to meet him, I observed 613 commandments. Really? You know, they're not even given yet. And the answer is that a neshama that is very high can intuit a mitzvah. Yeah, it's remarkable, isn't it, you know? Yeah, in other words, you can intuit, you can have a real under feel automatically of what spirituality is and what a sin is. You see? Look, think about that. If you walk into a dangerous place, you know, you can actually feel danger. Something all of a sudden, you know, something all of a sudden arises in your conscious, you know, be careful. You know what I'm saying? Where do you get that from? You know, because we have the ability to be intuitive about our situations, you see? And this is us, and we can all relate to that. You know, how many times do you feel, uh-oh, you got to watch, or, you know, we have the ability to emotionally and intellectually connect with our situations. They did it. They were on a much higher level spiritually, so they could connect with mitzvahs and averis. That's how they did it, you see? So it's remarkable, really, when you think about it, how tragic it is, that the Dora for 2,000 years blew it. You see, because they were much greater than we are. Remember, they were root neshamas. 
there was Adam, which I said was the master root of everything, right? And then all these uh, these people, they were uh, their proximity to Adam's neshama was much closer than we are, you see. And notwithstanding that closeness and proximity, uh, in terms of being an offspring of Adam Harishan, wait, they 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 they, they sin terribly to such an extent. Where the Bereshit said, "I got to wipe you guys out." Could you imagine, you know, the the uh, the desecration of the whole tikkun process that these guys did? That God would have to wipe them out. You see, so that's really what that's really what it is. They were much greater than us in their ability to feel what a sin is and what a, a mitzvah. That doesn't mean you don't have a chira. You do, because as big as you are, your yetsahara is just as great as you because or else there would be no contest you see and, and, and so on <clears throat> the trick is of course is to destroy the eight Sahara you know uh, like David Amelech says you know that uh, that uh, you know the Sultan is like a hole in me he's eradicated the eight Sahara even you know but as long as he doesn't his eight Sahara is as big as his eight Sahara so to speak you know what I'm saying so the job is to curtail the eight Sahara and destroy it and so on in any case that's the generation of 2,000 years which we don't really uh, connect with in that sense you know now you want to ask a question yeah because I, I want to really Moshe realized that we would descend into that point because before he died in the blessing he did he, he, he sure yeah he said this is not an empty thing I'm telling you correct it's, you know, so he did know, of course. He says, I know that you guys are going to rebel against God. He says, after I'm gone, you know, it's a heyday. I know you guys are going to degrade. Uh, you know, and that's on his level, you know. If he came back today, you know, I mean, he's talking about the Jews in that time. And that's the Doha Midbar. They saw God. They experienced Egypt. Could you believe what these guys experienced? And he said to them, after I'm gone you guys are gonna, you know, uh, really begin to uh, uh, rebel and so on and so forth. If he came back today, I, I can't even say, he'd probably have to go into a mental ward for years if he saw the degradation, the terrible state that the Jews are in today. You know, he probably would not believe how far you can descend. To do this, he would be shocked even at Goyim, at non-Jews. I mean, when you look at what's going on in the world today with everybody, you know, you can't believe whatever happened to the intuitive feel of human beings. We're not talking here about righteous people and tzaddikim that had great souls, great neshamas, you know? When they wanted to, when they brought up that law to kill kids, just one example, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> Uh, infanticide that you can kill a kid shortly after it's born and you can ask the mother well what do you want it or not right and they said there was cheering in the assembly or in the senate whatever of New York excuse me how can a human being right uh, allow and cheer about infanticide killing kids this is supposed to be a human intuition feeling right uh, as you, as a way, way, and it was, forget about righteousness and 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 sitkus and all that. Uh, where is your humanity? How in the world could you think that you can kill a newborn kid 
by asking its mother? You mean because it was born to the mother, therefore she owns the kid? That's nonsense. God owns the kid. Except he made it so where a woman can give birth to a kid. But the truth is, there are many other ways God could have made kids pop out. You know what I'm saying? So does a woman think that she has a right to terminate life because it happens to be inside of her? It's absolute nonsense. It's astounding, you know, what you think about that. Forget about righteousness and holy and saints, saintly people and all that. Where's your humanity? Any human being understands what murder is, intuitively. You know, you know it's wrong. You don't have to be taught it. It's a feeling that God put in every human to know. You can't do this, you know? And you don't have to be taught it. You have to go to school to learn that murder is forbidden, certainly illegal, you know? Yet everybody in the chamber of New York is cheering because, well, you have to pass a law and kill kids. What does that show you? That shows you that people have become, they are not human. We are looking at people that are fundamentally higher ordered animals. You, you, you have to understand, you know, uh, there's a concept of human humanity. You know, there's a certain basis for that. When these people did what they did, and it's not just them, we are no longer looking at humans. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. These people in New York's assembly or the Senate, wherever they pull that stunt, you know, they're not humans anymore. They are fundamentally higher ordered animals. Yeah, which has <coughs> consciousness and they have human traits <coughs> but this is not human anymore you see the same thing with terrorists you know or the uh, what do you call those guys <coughs> you see that by terrorists when they kill wantingly or whatever and they do, and they torture people the, the nazis are not human you you know they look human right they have the consciousness of a human being, but that is no longer human. How do we see that? Because you look at their intuitive ability to know what is correct behavior and what is not. In many ways, forget about what they look like, you see. In many ways, what a person does, how low does he descend? That's the indicator if he's human. The Nazis were not human. They were animals, they were beasts. You'd expect that, and even an, an animal doesn't do what they did. Because an animal basically will kill if it needs to eat. They would kill even if the Jew didn't do anything wrong to them. Doesn't make a difference. Really what they are is, like I say, a higher ordered animal. So where's the humanity? That's how low society has become. It's terrible to think about that. So we're not looking here about <clears throat> the absence of spirituality. Forget about that. Where is the presence of humanity? That's the problem, you see. And we now live in a generation that there are, that, that there are human-like animals walking around. It's basically what it is. So could you imagine how far we are now from other Mauritian and even from those root neshamas and so on? Anyway, something to think about and so on. What, what, what constitutes a real human being? It's not the way he looks, you see. It's what is his intuitive feel about what is right and wrong. And it's just astounding to watch what goes on. In any case. The, the Mitzvah also did 
Yeah. Atrocities. Terrible. They did, they were also yeah. Sure. They, and yet they lived all the way back then. No, they were much later than Odom in the first 2,000 years. Yeah. Even though they Egypt goes back. Better. Yeah. The Greeks would kill babies too if they were deformed and Yeah, well, yeah, Spartans, yeah. Okay, anyway. Anyway. So therefore, what the Bonsham decided is that we've got 2,000 years for this. Okay. Now, things changed radically after 2,000 years. So what the Rebbe did after 2,000 years, and the root Nishamas were not doing the job. So he looked, the Rebbe looked, so to speak, looked at the whole, all humankind, right? And he realized that there's nobody, basically, that has done the Tikkun. Forget about it. There's nobody that has done any of the Tikkun, you see, <clears throat> except one. Avram Avinu. So what the Bansham did is very interesting. So he took Avram Avinu, who was the root neshama of that generation, and he made him the root neshama like Adam Harishim, you see. And he took away the ability of every other root neshama to do the tikkun. He took it away. He lowered their spiritual soul, although he kept it, okay, and they no longer could do the tikkun, which is a very important idea. What is interesting to think about is this. What happens if Avram Avinu also did not do the tikkun? What happens if he was like everybody else? It's an interesting scenario, right? So all of a sudden, there are no roots at all, the Shamas, that did any of the tikkun. So what the Bosham would then do is now give it to the branches which is everybody after 2,000 years. Let them try to do the tikkun, you see. <clears throat> but what would be interesting is that if there was no Avram Avinu, there would be no Jews. Then this concept of the branches doing the tikkun would have continued on and on without Jews at all because let's assume we're, we're supposing that Avram Avinu, let's assume, did not do anything. Let's say he was just like everybody else then there would be no nation that has distinguished itself at all in any way. So the concept of one nation would have continued on and on. Each one, the root giving birth to branches, which is neshamas, which are lower, and then the Roshan would have waited them for them to do the tikkun. Why can't, why can't one of you the see. branches become... So you're saying it's either only the roots could give rise to this one nation. Once there are no more roots... No, it's not about no more roots. Well, the branches would be further and further down as, as far as Why the offspring. Why the branches become a root? No, you can't. It's not way, it doesn't work that way. There's an ancestor and, and, and so on, you know. And it's like, um, it's like a mother and father. You know, a child cannot be a mother and father. He himself can be, he's further down the line. You see. But <coughs> so you can only have individuals. You can no longer have... Well, you would have, the, or that means mankind would have been branches, which means they would have been descendants and offspring of the original Nishamas, right? And their spirituality would have been d diminished, because like I said, it goes down and down and so on. But if there was no Avram Avinu to distinguish himself from the rest of the world, where would there be Jews? There wouldn't be well, Jews be at all. Almost got it. Well, that's later on, but there would be no Jews. Think about that. Okay, it's interesting. No, that, that was only after the Jews were chosen uh, and they became distinguished. Uh, and in any case, what the Bansham did 
is he now decided because <coughs> of Avram Avinu, he said, hey, you know, I already got a guy. You see, I've already satisfied what I need in that sense, that Avram Avinu is doing the tikkun. You see? So what the Mershom then decided is that the ones who would do the tikkun would be the branches of Avram Avinu. But then he doesn't need the other nations anymore. You see? Because what they had done, they have excluded themselves, right, from the whole concept of trying to restore themselves like Odom Rishon before the sin. You're out of the picture. So, well, what they are is that they're out of the picture of Tikkun. Yeah. Okay, but that would have meant that there's no purpose to their existence, which is interesting. Uh, nothing exists unless it contributes to the overall rectification of creation. That's its reason for being. If it doesn't have that, it ceases to exist. That's why many animals can become extinct, because they no longer contribute. Now, we don't understand what that means. We don't know why, right? But when an animal ceases, or its species, <coughs> ceases to contribute to the tikkun process, and every animal does, every species does, then the Bosham allows it to become extinct. That's how tight is the rationale or the justification for anything to exist, you see. <coughs> so therefore, the question is, if Ravrama Vino is now the only root neshama that did anything, and what he did was incredible, right? And now his descendants as branches would now complete that which Ravrama Vino did, which by the way they did. They actually became like Odom Rishon before the Chet at the giving of the Torah, right? So the question then is, what do you need all the other people for? Sounds like a strange question. But in, in God's perspective, if you're not contributing to the Bria, you're out. You see. So what the Bershom did, because really he loves mankind, he does. He loves his works, as we see in many places, you know. Uh, <clears throat> therefore, what the Bershom did is he allowed the degraded state of the rest of mankind, okay, that if they want individually, they can disconnect from their root and connect to the root of Avraham Avivim. Chesed. He allowed them to disconnect from the root of all the other nations or, or, or the other people and they can connect to the root of Avram Avinu. That's Gerim. And therefore, there are many people that Avram Avinu made Gerim, which means that these were former people that their original roots, right, were nowhere and they were able to disconnect. We, of course, only God can do that and, and make them uh, connected to the root called Avram Avinu. That's Gerim, you see? And that's what he did. So therefore, nation, a, 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 a root could no longer, in and of itself, do the Tikkun, or any of its descendants. That descendant, right, would have to connect to Avram Avinu in order to do the Tikkun itself, you see? Now, <clears throat> but even then, it's not simple. Because wait a minute, you know, so therefore they would become part of Avram Avinu, right? And as a result of that, that's why Avram Avinu is the father of all Gerim. That's really what he is. And so on, you know? Because they are now really connected to his root, just like Jews. You see? A Ger is a Ger and a Jew is a Jew, but a Ger is like a Jew. No difference in terms of his Kedusha. 
He's got, that's why he's a person, that's why cotton, or a gear that is Gaia, is cotton shenoilad, right? What does that mean? <clears throat> why is he like a cotton that was born? Because he's now, he now no longer is connected to his original root. He's now connected to the line of Neshama of Avraham Avinu, and that's literally a new birth. <clears throat> that, I know what you mean by Eliezer. Wasn't he uh, Abraham's servant? Yeah, he was. So he was a gear. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. But that's the concept why <coughs> a gear is like a newborn infant. Why? Because it's not that he became Jewish. Okay. But his neshama is literally disconnected from the neshama of his root, uh, whatever that was, and is now connected to Avraham Avinu. You see, in any case, this is what they can do, okay, as individuals. But uh, they the root, the original root, can no longer become that, at least up till until the time of Avraham Avinu. Now, besides that, you know. Uh, what about the rest of the Goyim? What about the rest of thing people call non-Jews? Now, Ramavino is an Ivri, he's a Hebrew, right? We call that Jewish. But really what we are is Hebrews. We're all, wait, really what we are is Hebrews. Avram or Ivri, right? The word Jew came into existence because after the dispersion, the exile of the 10 tribes, right? The major tribes were Yehuda and Levi, and Binyamin. So since Yehuda was the majority of Jews at that time, therefore Yehuda contracted ultimately to Yudah or Yud, Yehudi, Jew. That's really why we have the name Jew and so on. <clears throat> but really, we are really a Hebrew, an Ivri, because Avram Avinu was an Ivri, whatever the etymology is. Either because he came from over the, uh, the uh, not the Euphrates, the uh, uh, over the uh, maybe it was the Euphrates whatever Mechorin and so on you know uh, in any case um, so that's the, so therefore that's the concept of Ger however the real concept also is what about Goyim you see that what about them if they have no purpose if they're still connected to their roots then what is their purpose so what happens is is that if you do not become a Ger right then God would not he didn't want to destroy non-Jews okay because like I say because God does love all of mankind and God is an infinite Baal Chesed and Merachim and so on so what he did is he gave them a purpose what was the purpose to assist Avram Avinu and the descendants of Avram to do the Tikkun because remember the only reason why anything exists is because you are contributing bringing God back to the world which is the Tikkun there is no other purpose for a human <clears throat> you see so what he wants now is for non-Jews, okay, to assist Jews in some way to allow them to do the tikkun. As a result of that, they now have a purpose, you see. And the purpose, of course, is once they allow, is God does come back to the agency of a Jew, but with the assistance of non-Jews. And therefore, in the end, in Oilam Habo, right, there is no such thing as non-Jew. All people that assisted the Jews will have Oilam Haba. That's the way it works. Now, we don't understand what that means because, you know, what about somebody who lives in Mongolia? You know, how do they assist the Jews? 
but there are, there are ways you can assist the Jews indirectly because maybe they'll buy something from somebody and that person will buy an order from a larger person and that person will be able to ship to the Jews yeah Amazon yeah exactly right you know and all of a sudden some Jews somewhere in maybe in, 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 in thousands of steps right away they will benefit and that non-Jew is considered as helping a Jew I mean God has to only God can keep cheshman calculate this and so on you know <clears throat> but basically that is the purpose of a non-Jew that's their rationale for existence because it has to have something to do with the rectification of the Bria with making the world more spiritual and bringing God back the divine presence into this world it has to have something helping a Jew they persecute well you know, I, I, how is this a different than what Asim is supposed to no, no, so put that aside. Let me just, uh, just want to, uh, anyway, so we have what? We have three things going on. We have Avram Avinu, who is a root in Shema. He is doing the job. So he is now chosen, right, to be the guy doing the job of Tikkun. Then you have the second uh, position is all the Gerim that become part of Avram, disconnect from their roots, and they become part of Avram Avinu, and they become Gerim Jews. The third segment is mankind, okay, that is not doing, you know, uh, anything, Tikkun and so on and so forth, and they, they didn't do anything, so they are disconnected, they just remain with their original roots, okay, and their, their purpose now becomes to assist the Jews. Of course, when we take a look at today, it's astounding what people are doing for themselves, because not only, of course, are they not assisting the Jews, they are persecuting the Jews uh, in, in terrible ways, preventing them from doing whatever they have to do. They have no idea what's going to happen to them. <clears throat> because their whole justification ultimately is either to become Jewish by becoming a Ger or to assist the Jew. If you're not doing any of that, you're out. Then you never make it to the future world. If in some way you prevent it, then God will measure if in some way, if uh, your major activity was anti-Semitic, and today it's all over the place, right, and so on. I'm not even talking about those nations that really killed the Jews, you know, the Nazis, the Romans, and so on and so forth. They're gone. They don't realize that they will annihilate after a certain day. They will go to Gehenna, because that's justice. And after Gehenna, they cease to exist, because that's the condition that God gave them, and so on. <clears throat> But listen, that's their tragedy, and they have no idea what's going to happen to them. In any case, this is the split. Now, once you had that, right, you had Avram Avinu, okay, then you had Gerim, then you had non-Jews. Then what God did is he took the non-Jews based on their roots and fixed who they were uh, for all time, basically. So there are 70 nations, and there's Avram Avinu, and the non-Jews themselves, okay, <clears throat> they are divided into 70, uh, and they therefore have that purpose. Now, they have a divine soul. Even a non-Jew has a divine soul, because without a divine soul, you can't do tikkun. Not that they can do tikkun, but they cannot enjoy oilam habo. You need a divine soul to enjoy the future world. But they cannot do tikkun, see? Only Avram or Ger 
means their actions can determine if God is in or out of the creation. A, a, a non-Jew cannot do anything to creation. Nothing changes as a result of his acts. What they can do is they are responsible <coughs> for their own muzzle or fortune. That they are responsible. So if they are righteous, then they bring tremendous good fortune on themselves. You see, if they are evil, then of course, ultimately they bring terrible punishments on themselves. But in the end of time, which is interesting, in the future world, there is no nations. All of them disappear. All the Goyim will become appendage to Jews. And they will experience Ulam Haba through a Jew. That's the way it works. Uh, and because the Jew is the one who's connected to all the spheres. And all the Goyim which are connected to Jews, they will experience it through the Jew. You see. So there are no nations then. You know, gone are, you know, all the nations of the world and so on, you know. The Jews are the only nation in the future world. And that's it, you know. And everybody, all other individuals, uh, assuming that they merit the future world, they will experience the future world through the Jews. And that's what it means in the Novi, where it says, Ten Goyim will grab on to the garment of a Jew. You know, because in a certain sense, they are the garment of the Jew, because the, the actual experience of Ulam Habo, the divine presence, goes through the Jew and goes to them. Uh, through the Jew and so on. But the Jew is a direct receiver of the Divine Presence and they of course uh, in a certain sense are indirect. But don't worry, even their portion is infinite. It's infinite bliss. You know, that's really what Oilam Haba is and so on, you know. Uh, so this split in the nations of the world came about only because Avraham Avinu was the only root that was doing it. You see? So that's why it's interesting if Avraham Avinu did not do anything if he wasn't uh, an exception to the rule, right, there would be no Jews. Because then all the roots would have failed to do the tikkun. It's interesting. And then God, you would have to wait, hopefully, one of the branches of the roots would do the tikkun, you see. But because Avram did the tikkun, then it's now going to go through him. And of course, all the nations of the world now depend on the ability of the Jews to do the tikkun. That's why it says by Avraham Avinu, V'nivruchu b'cho kol adoma. And in you will be blessed, all the nations of the earth. In you. And because you have now assumed the status or the position of Odomarishim to do the tikkun. And everybody else is now either they're a ger or they are a non-Jew and they have their own status and so on. Now, by Matan Torah, the Jewish people were now about to complete Avraham Avinu's task, you see. So Avraham Avinu did a tremendous amount of the tikkun. He elevated himself, right, almost to the level of Odin before the sin. But the Jewish people, then you had, uh, now his branches are what? Are now 70 individuals, 70 Nishamas individuals entered Egypt because they took over the 70 nations, they took over now the characteristics of all 70 nations. And 70 people entered Egypt. They gave birth to 600,000 roots, uh, uh, branch souls, but these souls are primary, you see. And then when all of them stood at Sinai, what happened was they were like Odomarishim before the Chet. 
if it wasn't for the that's why the Gemara in Shabbos says Nifzika Zoyama Shal Nochosh that at the time of Manterum the Zoyama of the Nochosh was expelled from the human form which is incredible therefore all the Jews were like Odom Rish before the sin and had they not done that Cheto Egel the sin of the golden calf then they would have that would have been the end and Olam Habo basically would have started but they failed and therefore they have to continue the process of completing uh, bringing us to Odom Rish before the sin and that's why in the Messianic era when all of this will have been done the Tikkun we will be like Odom Rish before the sin which is interesting and then we'll know what he felt like you know but there there will be no more tests will be like Odom Rish before the sin and then we will be able to you know ultimately of course get into Ilm Habo However, <coughs> what the Baruch did, because he had tremendous rachmanus and love of the nations, he gave them one more chance that nations itself could experience the tikkun. So until now, we're just gerim, individuals would disconnect from their root and come back to Avram Avinu and connect to Avram. But at Matantura, the Medrash says, or the Gemara, whatever, the Chazal, that he went around to all the nations of the world to see if they would accept the Torah. If, they would have, if any nation would have accepted the Torah, then they would have been equal to the Jewish people. Then that would have become, again, a branch that did the Tikkun, and they would be a, 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 another nation, just like the Jews were. God would have restored their ability to do the Tikkun. But we know that no nation accepted it. You see? Uh, you can think about how in the world did that. What do you mean it went to all the nations? There are different ways of interpreting. <clears throat> but it could be that he knew, <clears throat> he examined all the nations, the level of spirituality, and he found that at that level, nobody's going to want the Torah. Because you have to have a sensitivity to even want what God wants to do. Most people are into themselves. They don't want to take orders from anybody. You see? So you have to have a certain level of spirituality to want to do the will of God. Ratzon Haboyre. And the Jews were at that level. In fact, they were so high that they said, Nasa v'nishma. Right? Nasa let us do, v'nishma and let us understand. That's how great the Jews were at Mount Torah. You see. But he offered the same thing to Goyim in the sense that he examined the spiritual level of all the former roots. And there were still roots, but they were in a degraded state. And he saw that none of them had a spiritual desire or the ability, you know, desire and so on, right? To want to even listen to God, to get close to God. And therefore, what he did is he issued the final decree that the concept of Tikkun can no longer be a non-Jewish attempt. It can only be a Jewish attempt. So forever was sealed the ability of non-Jews as a total nation, means their root soul and all the descendants of that particular root, that was sealed closed so if you wanted to join the Jewish people you'd have to become a gear as an individual but you can no longer you know it's like uh, you know all of a sudden let's say all the Egyptians let, let them be equal to the Jews you have the, the Egyptians and you have Avram Avinu and his descendants you know you no longer had the ability of nations to do the Tikkun process so the concept of non-Jew became embedded in the world there's a concept now of non-jews and there is a concept called jew 
and that remains. And once you had the concept of nations, then God assigned 70 angels to take care of each nation and to defend it in the heavenly tribunal. That's why each nation has a malach, an angel, that protects it in the sense that it defends the nation against, you know, decrees in heaven against that nation and so on. You see, and also the malach also uh, is the one that has the input in terms of their survival, how good they get and so on, what they get and, uh, uh, you know, in terms of their reward and their punishment and so on. But the concept of 70 nations now became permanent, you see. And as a result of that, only the Jews can do the tikkun. Any non-Jew can join the Jew in that process, you see. And there's a whole new concept called non-Jew, which originally was never supposed to happen. Remember, it was mankind, Adam, all the roots of Adam, spheres and so on, all of them were supposed to do the tikkun. You see, and it was with their failure that mankind now has now become split. <coughs> there are people that can do the tikkun, and that's his Jews. So therefore, the Jewish people became Israel, and that's why Yaakov Avinu became Israel, because they were the only nation that is Israel. Whereas everybody else, right, is not Israel; they are goy, and so on, which means non-Jew, Gentile, and they remain that way. Uh, so therefore, any non-Jew can become a Jew not a problem you know just to do it of course halachically and so on you know by the way that's why <clears throat> it is so important which you begin to appreciate you know <clears throat> the only way a non-jew can do the tikkun is if he becomes a ger halachically <clears throat> right <clears throat> and there are so many people that say wait wait a minute you don't have to re you know they argue against halach you don't you do the mitzvahs and so on and so forth you see that is a terrible uh, uh, um, advice to give non-Jew. Because if they think they're Jewish, for instance, a, a non-Jew goes to reform, a reformed whatever, you know, and so on, right? I hate to call him rabbi, but a reformed uh, uh, individual, you know, uh, minister, whatever you want to call the guy, right? And the guy says, well, uh, you can become Jewish, no problem, right? Uh, I don't know if they have mikvah, I don't know what they have, but they certainly don't have Kabbalah Samitzvahs accepting mitzvahs that certainly don't have right <clears throat> he is doing a terrible disservice to that non-jew because that non-jew finally recognized that the jew what the jewish religion is it's the only truth out there right so the the, the non-jew wants to become jewish right and he's telling them you don't have to become the mitzvahs you see so what he's doing is destroying the ability of that non-jew to become a gear because if you're not a halachic ger, guess what? You're not a ger. Doesn't make a difference what you want to do. So could you imagine how people, how many people want to become Jewish, right? And the reform, conservative, reconstructionists, they are reshoim, evil, because they are doing a terrible disservice to non-Jews. You see, by denying them or deceiving them that you have to do mitzvahs. But think about that. What makes a Jew a Jew and his ability to do tikkun is because he's Jewish and he has the mitzvahs. Without the mitzvahs, they're not doing tikkun. You see? So how can you tell a non-Jew what do you need the mitzvahs for? You see? It is what's called an incredible betrayal to that non-Jew to say that he is Jewish without accepting the mitzvahs. That's what we see. You see?
In any case, so far, this is what we see. <coughs> the origin really of non-Jew, the origin of Jew, but remember, was never intended to be that way at all. It was only intended for mankind to do the tikkun, and then all of mankind would be part of Oilim Habo. So really, when you think about it, it is a terrible tragedy that there is this division. But remember, in Judaism, any guy can get Oilim Habo. Any guy. Doesn't make a difference. Now, if it's a Ger Toishov, which means that he observes the Noahide commandments, right? Then he's on a higher level of a guy, much higher, you see. <coughs> so what you hear, you have is the following divisions. You have the Jew, okay? Then you have the Ger, the convert. Then you have the Ger Toishov, who is a guy, but he observes willingly the seven Noahide laws because God gave them. That's very important, right? So he's on a much higher level than a non-Jew. And then you have the non-Jew, right? <coughs> and so on, you know, uh, who um, in some way contributes to the Jewish people. So you have really, when you think about it, four segments. Jew, convert, which is a real Jew. You have Ger Toishov, which is much higher. You know, he's, he's sort of like a cross, right? In between, not a literal cross, but he's in between. And then he, you also have the, uh, uh, the non-Jew and so on. So you have, look how you, society has been segmented because of this whole concept of the fall of Adam. Because Adam was not supposed to fall. He should have gone straight into Ilam Habo with all mankind as descendants. No problem. I mean, you think about that. What a change in the original plan of creation. If the, Go ahead. If, if, um, if the, the <coughs> who helps Jews, but he does not keep the seven mitzvahs, so, so he's he a guy. Any, okay, yeah. But he's not, do, he's not doing anything in the spiritual sense. He's okay. Just, let's say helping them out with what uh, he gives, contributes to a cause, whatever. So he's not attuned to spirituality, and how is he getting all how? Uh, if he doesn't do these seven mitzvahs at all? What does he violate? Oh, yeah, and he does. No, that's enough. That's enough. Yes. In fact, they because that's the Ratzon Think about that. That's what God wants. That's why there's a whole parsha of Ger Toshev Natura. Give it as like a nice gesture. Like a, what? Oh you, oh, you also need something. So, not because they're Jews, but because, mm -hmm. oh, I'm nice to you and I'm nice to you. No, because that's why it's important for a Ger Toshev to do the seven mitzvahs of Noah. A regular Ger or what? A guy. A regular Ger, okay. That's nice to everybody. Yeah, okay. And also he happens to be nice to the Jew. He's nice to, 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 his to this guy and he's nice to Jew. Yeah, okay. Just because he's a nice guy. Yeah, he'll probably get Oilam Yeah. That's enough. It's not a matter of being enough, it's what do you get? Well, how much Oilam Haba do you get, you know? Right. Uh, and so on, you know? Yep. But uh, yes, uh, yes, he, he would get Oilam Haba, yeah. What's the rationale? You know? But I want to tell you something. You know, if, if he's going to commit terrible deeds the goy I, I mean forget about it you know yeah but the difference between the Jew and the goy is the Jew he gets it as a rehabilitation you know well, and the goy may get it as a yeah but it's a different red line because he's part of the Tikkun process you see and without his contribution the Tikkun doesn't happen 
That's the difference, you know. It's like an army, you know. Without this guy, all of a sudden there's somebody missing on the front. So that means there's an there's a aspect of the enemy, right, that can't be stopped. You know, you need every Jew to do this. How God does that is just beyond belief. How he gets every Jew to bring the tikkun. But then we know it's either mitzvahs, tshuva, or yisurin. Commandments, repentance, or suffering. That's how he gets every Jew to do the tikkun, you see. Could that be one of the, if 90, the Rav said, like 90, never, 90% of Jews are lost today. Yeah. Could that be one of the reasons why we're in such a degraded state? Because 90% of Jews are not doing anything. <coughs> yeah. Well, that just shows that you. Reason? Well, it, it just shows how degraded we are. How we have lost the sense of spirituality to such an extent. What you're really looking at is the. Uh, is the um, um, strength of the Sutton. His ability has become just incredible to, de to fool people, you know, to deceive them. It's really what it is. Uh, and, and so on, you know. But anyway. Well, we had the 90, 100% Jews, more or less, we keep in Tayyab. Yeah. Our spiritual standing should be, for God's clients, it would be hard. Oh, yeah. Perhaps. Sure. Of course. Also, so is, is, is that echoing what the Rav said that the guy today are like just animals on a more No, he's speaking on a much different level. level he's saying you are Adam, you have replaced Adam Harishan. That's what he's saying. And the Goyim are... No, they're not... Uh, no. They, they are also... What are they called? They are Adam, but then they have not replaced Adam Rishon. Like I just said, they're non-Jews, which have not replaced Adam as a Masakain, as the one who rectified, but they are still human. They are still man. It depends what the word Adam means. You're referring to the ability to do Tikkun, Yisrael, or you're referring, referring to the mere fact that, you know, we are descendants of man. So therefore, we're men. You see what I'm saying? That's different. At least anyway. If what the Rav said, they have to mount that's it, Goyim were disconnected from. So Moshe Rabbeinu, at the head of prayed that his Shekhinah <coughs> separate us from the Goyim. You'll never go back to the Goyim. Yeah. I thought Hashem already made that decision. No, but the, the problem was when the Jews sinned at the golden calf, Went well, it's not a man. He might have hedged his bets, <laughs> right? Because they didn't do it. They were actually at Odom Rishon before the sin, right? By Matan Torah. And all of a sudden, they degraded themselves again. It wasn't as bad as the original fall of man, but it was a severe degradation. So Moshe Rabbeinu was, yeah. Uh, you know, uh oh, you know, maybe Moshe says, okay, I'll keep you guys, but I got to hedge my bets in case, and I'll pick another nation, another route, Right? So we don't know. I mean, he looked around and said, "Okay, let's see who else is who else is doing something good." That's what Moshe was afraid of. Yeah, and he said, no, "Don't do it." Properly. Yeah, yeah. Keep us as the only nation, no matter what. No matter what. And the Bunshu said, did "Okay." Did Abraham do the same thing at the uh, act between the hands? And what um, he said, uh, "Well, what do you mean by same thing? What does that mean? That, same what? That you were just talking about." No, no, no. Uh, what Avram Avinu did. He, he said, uh, well, how do I know my descendants will keep it? No, he meant something else. No, no, I don't want to get into that. No, okay. no. But what Avram Avinu did, that's what the Brisbane Absurdum is. The covenant between the pieces. Embracious. Where, where, where Avram Avinu took over the contract 
that the Bonshim had with Adam or Rishim, first man, he now has it with Avram Avinu and all his descendants, and they have to do the Tikkun. One question. Okay? Because I really want to. If a guy wants to be a Gair, what's the rationale that you discourage him and push him <coughs> on? Why do that? You know, how many people, even in Judaism, keep the mitzvahs? It's very hard, you see? So if a guy becomes a Jew, right, and doesn't keep the mitzvahs, right? So it can be, it's not good for the Jews. You know what I'm saying? We, Jews don't need goyim to become Jews. It has nothing to do with that, you see? Jews are not missionary people. Notice, there's no missionary activities. There were, once in history there was, 2,100 years ago. And so, whatever you know but Jews don't missionize we don't need goyim we have our mission two things really what it is when you think about it the mission of the Jew is to do the tikkun do the mitzvahs and bring God back the second mission which is part of their mission is to be what's called a light to the goyim because they can say hey we don't know what to do we don't have the Torah really although now they do you know so by the Jews behaving the way they do and acting the way they do, they become what's called a model for the goyim. In many ways, that's very important, you see. Because other than that, you know, uh, goyim could say, well, we don't really know, you know, how to serve God. Although now they do because they have their religions and the Torah, the Bible, is translated into every, every language in the world when you think about that, you know. But that's basically, but the real mission of the Jew is to bring God back. That's really what it is. See? Okay, folks. Yes, yes.